Hi, I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to episode 128 of All About Fitness. Before I get into this episode's guest, I want to say a little apology and just, you know, I've been off the air for just a little bit or I don't know, podcasting isn't really on the air. So I've been, I haven't uploaded a podcast in the last couple of weeks. We had a little family vacation. I had another work trip to uh, to Asia. So I've been kind of running back around back and forth, been finalizing uh, things up. I have my book, uh, Smarter Workouts. That's Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple is coming out soon. I had a couple last minute changes to do. So that is actually the, the launch date's been changed to early January of 2019. I'm going to have a link below for that, but Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. So that, that's why I've been off, been, that's why I haven't posted a podcast the last little bit. And for this episode's guest, I wanted to go with a, a a colleague, a buddy, somebody that I've known for a number of years that is always, you know, he's not selling anything. You know, sometimes I have people on the podcast where they're promoting a book, they're promoting a product or th- whatever. I mean, I'm trying to get, these are people, when that happens, and you, you listen to the radio, you know, you're getting insight from an author or product maker or whatever. You're getting insight into the thought process behind what they did. That's why I like having some of those people on. Like, like, like having authors like Stuart McGill and Mike Boyle on is, is to talk a little bit about the mindset about when they write a book or do some work. Now, for this episode's guest, I went with somebody who is a personal trainer. I mean, he's a high-level personal trainer. He's based out of Denver, Colorado, originally from Australia. He is somebody that really puts – I like his attitude because his approach is learn how to love your body. So Jamie Atlas is a longtime friend. He runs uh, the Bonds of Bodies studio in Denver, Colorado. I've done work with him on and off over the years, various projects. But Jamie is really, like a lot of Australians, we talk about this a little bit, Jamie has just a very fun-loving mindset. And one of the cool things about an Australian who gets into fitness is that Australians are all about having fun and about recreation. So we talk about a little bit like that. Jamie actually was a professional athlete and got into fitness that way. And he, he had some, he had like a close family member kind of spur him into his life of fitness. On this episode of All About Fitness, Jamie Atlas and I talk about ways to shift your focus. You can shift your focus because a lot of times in fitness, we think about, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, strong enough. I'm edited. We have this negative self-talk. But Jamie's approach is really, if we think about what we can do, think about the positive aspect of what fitness can mean, they can really change your approach. So after a brief word from the sponsors of All About Fitness, Hyperware with the maker of Sandbells and Softbells and TerraCore Fitness, it's a pleasure to sit down and have a conversation with Jamie Atlas out of Denver, Colorado. If you're looking for a great product that can deliver great results at home or in the gym, check out Sandbells and Softbells by Hyperware. Sandbells are neoprene sand-filled weight they come in a variety of different ways. They're perfect for the home. They're perfect for the gym. They're easy to store. You can move them. You can lift them, swing them, throw them. And soft bells are sand bells, but you can turn the sand bells into dumbbells, barbells, and kettlebell. Go to hyperware.com. I'm going to have the link below in the show notes. Check out hyperware.com for sand bells and soft bells for great in-home or in-gym fitness solutions. And use code AAF. That's AAF10. AAF10 to save 10% on the purchase of a hyperware product of your own. It's a bench. It's a balance trainer. It's a core trainer. TerraCore Fitness provides a lot of solutions with one piece of equipment. That's why Men's Health recently voted it one of the top fitness pieces for your home or for your home gym. TerraCore Fitness can be used as a bench. can be used as a core trainer. You can stand on it, lie on it, step on it, do a variety of different movements on it. Check out the show notes below for a video of the TerraCore in action. 
you can use code AAF10. That's AAF10 to save 10% on the purchase of a TerraCore for your own home use. Go to www.terracorefitness.com and check out one of the hottest new fitness products on the market in the last couple years. I'm Pete McCall, all about fitness, here today with actually one of my favorite people in uh, in the fitness world, uh, Jamie Atlas. Jamie, before we get into the conversation about fitness, you have a very interesting background. What professional sport did you play before you got into doing fitness full-time? Well, uh, mate, many, many lives ago, I uh, played professional basketball in Australia. And uh, that sort of like you know, has catapulted me into uh, having access to a bunch of sort of high-level education and information. So the thing that probably really um, sort of sparked my interest was actually uh, my mum coming uh, coming back from a visit to the doctor. And she had, this is maybe like 1991, 92, and I had, I had just for giggles had become a personal trainer. So I sort of had some, I, I had done some of the mandatory education on learning you know, like uh, how to do this, how to do that. I just did did the sort of this six-week course at a local community college in 91. Um, but I was playing professional basketball and my mom came home and uh, she sat down at the table and she had these, these papers and she said, uh, you know, the doctor says that I have this thing that might kill me. And I was like, what, what the hell is going on? So she said, uh, well, it's something called mitral valve prolapse. And for those people who don't know what that is, basically that's a 40, 40 valve in the heart if, the, if it folds over, uh, and it can do it any time while you're walking, while you're exercising, but if it folds over, basically the heart fills up with blood and it stops pumping and you die pretty much instantly. And I said to her, well, this is crazy. What can we do about it? And she said, pretty much nothing. The doctor told me not to worry about it. He said, if you stress about it, it'll just, it'll just make, you, make it worse and you'll probably die of something else. And I was like, well, my mom's like 45 at the time. And I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. So I'm like, okay. Uh, so I, I went and did some research on mitral valve prolapse at the Australian Institute of Sport Library, and I found there's like, you know, there's not a lot of things you can do, but they did say that like, you know, there's nothing to say that, you know, uh, um, there's nothing to say that you can't go and exercise. So I came home and I sort of like showed my mum, hey, here's some things you can do that are supposed to be the optimal things for heart health, and she started doing those, and she started going for walks and taking the dog for walks, and then. You know, I got herself a personal trainer, not me, a real personal trainer. I was just a complete noob at the time, had no idea what I was doing. Uh, probably still don't. And, the, uh, and, then I, uh, and then I watched her just transform. And she started to do things and be active with a with just lifestyle and uh, doing classes and created a community and had people asking her, hey, Gwen, what are you doing? And she was never overweight. She was always very lean. I mean, but she was never athletic. She was just this very thin, frail English lady who all of a sudden decided to start being active. And I remember um, probably about seven or eight years into her journey, it was about the same time that I was sort of, uh, uh, so I, I was, I, things didn't work out for me in basketball and I, I had hurt my back in 92, which sort of gave me a bit of a sort of planted the seeds, if you will, for some other stuff. I, uh, so I decided to really focus on my degree in neuroscience I did a degree in neuroscience to start things off. And then in 96, I uh, went back and um, got a degree in sports science. And then it was in 2000, I was working at the Sydney Olympics. And it was about that time that I really noticed that, um, you know, my, I sort of processed what my mother was doing. And what was happening was that I would realize that she was having a positive effect on other people. 
and that effect was having a positive that that effect was having a positive effect on those other people's other people, and it was like a I, when I do presentations, I talk about a rock in the pond, and anytime I'm working with a client, it's basically like I'm taking a rock, dropping it in the pond, and that creates ripples and waves, and those ripples and waves leak into other ponds and other ponds that that we as trainers, you know, in in our industry, we have no concept about, but we don't realize that by really making a positive impact in someone's life that we can help so many more people than just the person in front of us. And as soon as my brain switched into that, then that was it. I knew this was the job I wanted to do. Well, let's come back to that. And I want to take, first of all, you know, I think it's kind of cool to play professional sport at any level. Just talk for a minute. I know there's a very small part of your story, but I think it's interesting. What was it like to be a professional athlete in in Australia? I mean, is basketball a popular sport? I mean, we both know that rugby, league, union, Aussie rules, football kind of are, are all the thing. But how how big is basketball down in, in, in Australia, and what was that like being a pro player? I mean, at the time it was pretty big. You know, it was uh, we had some really good TV contracts, and it was getting very it was getting promoted a lot. And Sydney was doing well, just like here in, the, in America. Like if LA or New York is doing well, then typically the rest of the world, the rest of the country gets you know, get, gets it shoved down their throat. So it, it was actually basketball was probably in its heyday at its peak time in Australia at the time. And we had like just come seventh at the at the Olympics, you know, uh, and so we were we were pretty pumped and thought we were going to be able to like be competitive. Were you on but, the Olympic um, squad in '92? Yeah, no, yeah, '91, '92. Yeah, you're on the Olympic. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, to be a professional athlete, I mean, I I look at it now, and it was kind of one of those things where I knew I was good at basketball, and I knew I'd worked hard at it, and I knew I wanted to be on the professional on the Australian basketball team. Uh, Olympic team in 2000 and uh, I was, that's what I was working towards and then sort of you know after I injured my back I sort of realized I, I took a step back and you know sitting on the bench for a few weeks you see things in the, outside the box a little, a little bit better and I realized that like you know my teammates were coming and going I didn't really have a choice of who was there it was uh, you know it was it was a very much a live and die by the sword if you had a great game that week then everyone loved you if you sucked the next week then then no one wanted to talk to you and I sort of realized, and then 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 I hurt my back and realized just how much of a, you know, so like now I was might as well be the towel boy. Like no one really wanted to know who I was. And it was kind of a, I realized how delicate an existence a professional sports career is. And that's and, it. Uh, what's that? No, I think that's interesting to note because people look at that, and, and you're right, people put that as, as like the pinnacle, but it is hmm. a grind. And, and I'm sure once you've been in it, that you see that dude, they don't care. I mean, if if, if like you said, you, if you're helping them win games, fine. If you're helping yeah. the team, fine. But as soon as you're injured, bang, you're out and somebody, you know, somebody else in. And that's what's the interesting thing about, I think, when you become an adult, when you lose that luster, it's kind of like learning that Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> Once you kind of like realize that professional sports is a business and frankly, they don't care about the athletes you're injured. Sorry. Boom. Next one in. You know, so I yeah. can see that frustration. Now, before we get into like your fitness thing, talk a little bit about because one of the things I love, I've only been in Australia one time. But having mm-hmm. played rugby for years, and that, I think it's why you and I get off get along so well, yeah. is Australians have such a different mindset. And the Australian culture, Jamie, from my just long-distance perspective, the Australian culture is very engaged in activity and sports and, and has a very robust, I guess, recreational subculture. Can you talk a little bit about that, a little bit about just like the, the emphasis that Australians in general place on activity and maybe how that sure. differs to, from what we do here in the States? Yeah, I think it's you're you're dead on. It is very different. The I think that uh, in Australia we don't have school sports per
per se. In other words, like here, you know, you, you play for your school team and then you play for a university. And the university is really sort of like a, where you get where you get sort of a groomed and preened and you get your skills developed. So you could go and play professional afterwards in America. Um, I think the downside is that what that does is that actually creates a culture where people go, okay, my, you know, when, so by the time their kid's like 11 or 12, I mean, I have a six-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter, and I can't tell you how much I fight my own instincts to specialize them in a, in a, in a certain sport. Because I'm 6'6", six, six, they're both going to be tall. You know, and, uh, and, and I really try to keep, keep them in a variety of sports and try to remember. And, and, and my goal is not to have my kids play professional sport, but to just have them be good enough at the sport that they can enjoy it for the rest of their life. And a, a couple of sports, hopefully. But the, uh, but the Australian culture is very much like you know, clubs. There's local clubs, there's age groups, there's levels, there's divisions. So if you're not very good, you go play in the D level. If you, if you think you're pretty good, then you play in the C or the B. And if you're really good, then you play in the A level. And then, you know, and then you have different mates that you can sign teams up with. It doesn't matter where you live. It just sort of, you do, you do stuff like that. And then, <laughs> fortunately, you'd think with that, that basically because we're all very active and we're all going off and doing stuff, that, um, that we would all be sort of in super great shape. But because it is very recreational, we're all very good at playing our sport, having our local sort of touch, touch, touch rugby, you know, um, uh, like game, and then we'll go and have a beer with the team afterwards. So Wait, Austra- no, Australians don't drink, Jamie. Come on, they, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah, a we, myth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. We hate it. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so like we'll go have a beer, and then we'll have like some chips, and then we'll have, you know, and like, and we have a lot of just like, we have a, a, a lot of hanging out time that we do, and we usually have food and drink with that. Which means that as a result, Australia is pretty much neck and neck with America most of the time for obesity and stuff like that. Well, and I think that's that's interesting that people just don't realize the difference in the culture. Now, to be for the point of clarity, I mean, you are here in the states. How long have you been in the U.S.? I mean, it's not like I'm talking to you 18 time zones away. You are. Where, yeah. where are you based out of, and how long have you been in the states? I've been in the states since 2000. Uh, so after the Sydney Olympics, basically, I, I hung around and then um, did some work at the Paralympics, which was amazing. Like that was 10 times more inspirational than, than the Olympics was, but the uh, uh, but to me anyway. And but the um, and then I came over basically in late 2000, November 23rd, I think actually, and then um, and then just stayed here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, since then, it's kind of been one of those things where I've realized that. You know, it's the longest I've ever been in one place. As an Australian, we're sort of duty bound to, you know, travel <laughs> the world like rats on a ship or something. But uh, yeah, I, I sort of came over here, and then in 2007, um, you know, had some kids, and uh, you know, and then sort of from there, I realised sort of it's really, you know, there's a lot of good things about Colorado, and there's lots of good brain trusts that come through, and lots of really interesting, you know, sort of like conversations that can be had over a beer or a coffee or with whoever is happens to be in town for the weekend. And well, so I, that's one of the things I love about Denver is it's sort of a, it's a bit of a hub of education that's not necessarily, you know, um, only one thing. It's a variety of uh, perspectives. Well, and I was to say, I mean, for listeners, I mean, I think Jamie's referencing fitness education. Like here in San Diego, you can swing a dead cat and hit a fitness educator. And Denver mm-hmm. is one of those places, Jamie, where two things. One, I think the recreational ethos in, in Colorado is very similar to Australia and that people in Colorado are very active, very much like many Australians are, are relatively yep, yep. active, hiking, surfing, whatever their sport is. And yeah. Coloradans are kind of the same way. So I can see that being a good match for you. 
But then the second thing I think is just that overall just kind of with that comes a certain attitude where, where work is not the most important thing. Is that one of the things you like about, about Denver is the fact that like on the East coast, it's all about work. You know, it's like work, 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 oh, yeah. work, work. Is yeah. that, what's, what's the attitude, what's the overall atmosphere in Denver like? Is it a relatively, you know, laid back, casual, casual city? Yeah, there's a, there's two things actually. One is um, uh, we get a lot of New York transplants. And I, whenever I have, I've had plenty of New York clients and they talk about, they say, when you're in New York, you either become New York or you get out. And so that's what I sort of like here. And so people come to Denver because, you know, now Denver, it's grown a lot. It's been the fastest growing city in the country, or at least in the top five for a while now. So it's really changed a lot since I arrived. But one of the stats that came out recently that I, I kind of loved was um, they said uh, Colorado was one of the fittest states in the country. Like it was last year or the year before. But, um, but then, then we were like, yay, we're the fittest state and you know, we're the most active state. And they said, but if you look at the stats from 50 years ago, if we had those same stats 50 years ago, we would have been the least active state. Huh. So I think that's a great example of like how we all like sort of can, can think, yeah, I'm being super active, but we don't realize just how active a lifestyle people used to have before we had, you know, uh, uh, like, uh, like remote controls and segways and, and God knows what else they have that like uh, minimizes your need to do anything like a... Uh, Chew food or, or um, <laughs> well, that, that's like the, the benefit and the curse of technology, right? Is the benefit is that things, some things become easier, but then the downside is you, you just aren't doing as much. So, one thing I want to ask you about to kind of shift gears a little bit you mentioned yeah, yeah. your undergrad degree is in what neuroscience? And neuroscience. Talk a little bit about your approach because I mean, we follow each other on social media, and mm. one of the things I mean, we've known each other for a few years, and I really like your overall attitude and approach. How does your background in neuroscience, how did that prepare you to be a trainer? Oh, I think, you know, um, it's really easy to look at the body and go, okay, like me trainer, do bicep curl, good. Me trainer, do tricep press, good. You know, me, me trainer, help client lose weight. You know, like less calories, it, it, you know, it's like, it's really easy to try to, there's a temptation for us as, as like sort of people working with people to break it down into its simplest form. And I think the neuroscience stuff to me, you know, I, uh, if I've learned anything, it's, it's that the brain can guide the body in so many ways. And, you know, it's, uh, and things like you know, what we're passionate about, what our pre preconceived ideas are and, uh, what sort of things, you know, and, and also our almost, you know, let's call it, I mean, a, a big thing that's very popular nowadays that people are talking about is PTSD. And I think one of the things I think a lot of people have is is fitness PTSD, hmm. you know, that or, or weight loss PTSD. And I think it's really important to recognize as 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 for my for my clients that come to see me, one of the, one of the first things I try to do is try to get them to think about their movement or the their challenge or you know that they that they they're dealing with in a different way. And um, and I think. Uh, as, as an example, you know, I had a girl, I think probably the biggest aha example for me was I had a girl who came in about maybe, gosh, uh, eight years ago now, and she had had 17 knee surgeries, and she was 22 years old, hmm. and her parents just wanted her to be able to walk normally, and she hobbled in, and, uh, and it took us about 45 minutes to get her to a place where she was willing to try walking upstairs. And by hobble, I mean hobble as in like you know, she was putting maybe 20% of her weight on that leg. She, was, she, she wasn't willing to even try put, like standing normally. 
And it took us about 45 minutes to get her to a place where she was able to walk up the stairs normally. Like you couldn't tell which leg was the, was the bad leg. And, my, and, and the piece I think about, you asked me about the neuroscience, I truly believe that the conversation we had led her to actually have the courage to be willing to try to use that foot. Well, because I, sorry, I'm, I'm going to cut in real quick there because I've interviewed Anthony Carey before, and you know AC, and he really he's been going down this whole aspect for the last few years, Jamie, about pain being um, an emotion and pain being, you know, you have to work and kind of get around pain because we'll have a block like that client had a block about putting weight on her knee, so she did yep. not let herself. So talk a little bit about that because then you look at Tim Noakes too. Tim Noakes, a uh, uh, doctor, medical doctor out of South Africa talks about fatigue being an emotion. So right. a lot of your work is trying to move people. And I think that's what people don't understand about trainers at your level is you're not just going to come in, as you said, you're not going to get beat up their biceps, but you're really helping transform them literally from the cognitive, I'm pointing to my brain, from the brain out. What is that process? Why is that so important to start with the brain before you start working with other muscles? Well, let me give you an analogy. When we were kids, you know, we probably had foods that we didn't want. Like for me, it was mushrooms. My mom would be like, try to eat, you know, eat these mushrooms. And I'd be like, not mushrooms. Mushrooms are terrible. I hate mushrooms. I'll die if you give me a mushroom, right? And then one day, she like basically like said, close your eyes, open your mouth. So I was like, okay. So she gave me this thing. And it was like, taste like this delicious, like sort of like Italian spices, a little bit, you know, and, and uh, sort of like just a little bit crispy. And I was like, mm, what's that? And she like had been, she had cooked these shiitake mushrooms in this sort of like oregano, like basil blend. And like, you know, crisped it up a little bit with like some Parmesan and then popped it in my mouth. And I was like, that is delicious. And all of a sudden I realized like, I'm eating mushrooms. Ah, you boy, you tricked me. Why have you betrayed me, mother? Do you have it in a box? Did you have it in a fox? Did you have it with socks? Yeah. Did you? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, and that's actually, and so that's another great example is like, you know, sort of, you know, he's like, no, I won't try green eggs and ham. And then suddenly he goes, he goes, he gives up and he goes, I'll try it. A different way to, but the, whole, the fox the whole time is going, hey, how about in this environment? How about in that environment? How about like this? Would you try it like that? And so I think as a trainer, like, I mean, if I was just a, a newbie trainer that basically like, well, let's say that if I was the kind of trainer, because some newbie trainers still have really good knowledge and instincts. If I was the kind of trainer who said, hey, I'm going to, you want to do, you want to do chest? Okay, let's do bench press. And the client says, no, no, I hurt my shoulder doing bench press. Then, then instantly what happens is their brain programs all this pre-existing like sort of routine and experience that goes, you're probably going to hurt yourself again doing bench press. And, and for me, I think what's really helped me is just through the different like mentors and sort of like, you know, like personal journey I've been on is that there are probably, you know, any, any halfway decent trainer can tell you 17 different ways to work the chest. And so to me, I, I've realized that you know, if the client says, I can't use that leg, then I go, okay, maybe you can't use it. As an example, I might say, maybe you can't use it standing. Let's try and use that leg lying down. Okay, so you can use it lying down. Great, okay. Now you can't use that leg on flat ground. What about at an angle? What about at this angle? What if I were to tell you that, that I've seen a, a, a leg like this before and I tell you that this exercise probably shouldn't hurt it? If I've built up some trust and some rapport and some so basically some tiny tiny successes and give the client the opportunity to believe that maybe they can move differently, then then to me I've done the right thing for the client. And so I think a lot of us, you know, we go, 
even when we're starting a new job, we go, oh, is this going to be the same as last time? We want to have, we want to see evidence that this is going to be different this time. And so for me, when I think about, okay, my clients, you know, I, I agree, fatigue, fatigue is, you know, basically something that can affect someone's pain. It's quite obvious, you know, and, but I also think that, you know, I'll sometimes seek fatigue so I can find where that client's pain exposes itself in my higher level athletes. Like I, I, I love what I have right now because I have a client who's just lost 200 pounds. I've got another client who um, you know, had, is, is trying to avoid having shoulder surgery. I've got another client who's a UFC fighter. You know, so I've got all these different guys who are like are bringing me different problems. But the truth of it all is what my job is, is to give that joint or that body in combination with the brain feedback so it so it understands what it can do because if it believes it can do that thing that looks like a bench press then pretty soon the body's going to go hey you know what we've done everything else except bench press maybe bench press isn't so bad that's that's you know i'm just thinking, sitting there thinking about that because i think that's a very important thing to understand is that really exercise i think jamie a lot of people kind of put exercise in these boxes of because for years we've been driven by bodybuilding, we have to do chest, we have to do back, we have to do whatever. We compartmentalize or we segment, you know, break up the body into segments. Why, in your in your understanding, and we have a lot of the same background, a lot of the same training, why is that a big mistake? Because I can get in a machine and I can go, oh, this one says chest, chest. I can get a machine and say, this one says back, back. We've compartmentalized and simplified the, the, the human body because it's easy to do. And like, you know, and bodybuilders, you know, but I mean, we have a lot to thank for bodybuilders bring, bring exercise to the mainstream and to the forefront. However, at the same time, we've created a, 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 um, a swarm of, of disjointed athletes. In other words, like, you know, you can, you can look back and think, okay, what, what are we, what sort of, what sort of things are we, are we dealing with that's positive, but what are some of the, what are some of the negatives that have come out of that? And I think some of the negatives are that, like, you know, we have athletes who are trying really hard to get good at this movement, you know, let's say a squat or, um, or bench press or, like, you know, pull-ups, thinking it's going to help them for a certain thing. But the truth is that very rarely is there actually carryover. You know, I could give you an example, like VO2 max is, is a fancy name for how well does your body take in oxygen. And so, and a lot of cyclists, that's the, what, that's like the be all end all. You wear that VO2 max number on your chest. What they don't talk about is that it's pretty rare that the top five VO2 maxes are in the top 20 at the end of the bike race. And so, and, and it's pretty rare that the guy who has, the guy in the NFL that has the, the best chest press and the best squat is also the guy who is the best uh, at, at defending the quarterback or being on the front line. And so I look at stuff like that and I go, and I think of um, uh, uh, Mel Sif wrote a book called Super Training. Well, now I'm going way back, but like, you know, um, he was the kind of guy who wasn't afraid to ask those questions. And, I, and so I, if I, I mean, I, as a, as a small side, you know, I think about uh, you know, nutrition and I, for years, you know, I basically was very much like, you know, you can't eat like you know, McDonald's, you can't eat this, you can't eat that. And then someone said, but I read this book the other day about this guy who lost 20 pounds or 40 pounds being uh, on the McDonald's diet. And all he did was eat less calories. And I was like, uh, and I wanted to just discount it and like, you know, but at the same time, I found myself going, well, let me challenge my own perspectives, perceptions. And I think that's the hardest part for any of us 
as, as a fitness professional, I have to challenge my own perceptions and go, for years I've said this is true, but I need to be willing to accept that it might not be true. And I think the same goes for individuals that walk into the gym and they go, but this is the way I've always worked out. And my job is to try to be able to gently coax them over to a different philosophy and say, I'm not going to take that away from you. You can still go do your bench press because it feels good. And you can still do your bicep curls because like they look good in the mirror and it feels good to do. But you know what? Maybe you should do some of that and some of this thing that's going to help the, bo the body actually start to connect together, almost like an interconnected series of highways. Anytime we try to create movement, we need muscles to work at different, angle, at different angles and directives and coordination and, and activation and, and uh, acceleration and deacceleration and de uh, in order to achieve something as simple as walking. And, and, you know, that's a very that's, – that's a lot in there. I mean it's a very comprehensive statement. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. And, and the thing is you and I, that kind of rolls off the tongue. But I think for people listening, Jamie, they don't understand. They don't appreciate the fact that all exercise is movement. That we can sit there and isolate a shoulder or isolate an elbow for biceps, but in essence, we need to program the entire system, you know, in order to be able to work together. Real quick, I can, and I, I just want go ahead. Uh, let me let me let me rephrase it then, because I, I I hear where you're coming from. Yeah. The with with the and I was thinking about you last night while I was uh, I was I went to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class. Okay. Cool. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, yeah, I'm, I'm in love with it right now. It's like so much fun, like hip rotation and different movements and stuff that we don't normally do. But what I was doing is I was sitting there and I was going, I was like lying on the couch and I started, I found myself doing stretches because we'd done certain positions in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class and I was like, man, my, my old 45-year-old body isn't doing that so well. And I was like, okay, so let me try and figure out a stretch. So I was like, sort of like, you know, like tried to like put one knee up and bring my arm across and like tilt my body to the side. And I then started just like, you know, gently rocking back and forth in that position. And I was thinking to myself, normally at the end of the night, I just, I just sit and watch TV, like just try to decompress from the, from the day. But because I had found a sport that I was interested in and kind of like a new movement philosophy, I was just trying to think of things I could do that would move my body that looked like the sport I wanted to be good at. And all of a sudden, what I found is like, you know, that, uh, that I was doing stuff. So what I'd say to people is think about the, the, the bodies that you like the look of and, and then try to do the things that those bodies do. But also, if you want to do something outside of that sport or that activity, think about what looks like that activity. And then spend your time wondering about that. So in other words, if basketball is a lot of jumping, then spend your time doing jumping drills. Don't spend your time doing squats. You know, there's zero weight required to be carried for basketball. But if you do some squats with jumps and squats with jumps, some side-to-side shuffles, stuff like that, maybe you won't be able to, like, you know, just test, check out your squat and see what your squat improves to, and you won't have to. But at the same time, you'll be doing the things that will make you better at that sport that you want to be good at because they look like that sport, one, two, if you can think about the, um, the time frame, like when I have my skiing athletes, I tell them, how long do you ski for? And they say, I ski for like five minutes and then I rest for 10. So I say, in that case, you know, you don't have to rest for 10, but ski, but do something hard for five minutes and then rest. So think about the movements and think about the intensity and the duration of the, en of the energy expenditure. And all of a sudden, you're actually probably creating workouts for yourself that are better than most personal trainers would create for you. 
simply because you've created something that, that looks like the sport that you want to get good at. And then the, you know, the real miracle is you'll want to do that sport more because you're getting better at it and you'll enjoy it more and you'll be more likely to keep doing it. Well, I think that's it. I mean, I think people don't realize that – I think people compartmentalize like their favorite activity and exercise. They put exercise in this box of like I have to do exercise, whereas they might like hiking. They might like playing golf. They might like play, playing tennis. And so that's a very simplistic way. And what you just did, Jamie, without even realizing it, is you just summed up because a couple episodes ago I had Mike Boyle on and Mike and I huh? were talking because Mike's well-known and you know Mike. Mike yeah, is well-known yeah. for changing his mind and for, for saying, yes. hey, I, I changed my mind. I was wrong. What's Famous that? for it. Yeah. At the start of every presentation, I've seen Mike do that. That's what he says. He says, "This is my opinion, but I reserve the right to change my mind." Yeah. And you just talked about the process of learning. Then the second one, I interviewed Todd Wright, and and Todd is the strength coach of uh, the Philadelphia Seventy yeah. Sixers now. Yeah. And we know Todd from from Viper and from doing a few other things. And so you yeah. talk, and and that's how Todd. For people that want to hear how a strength coach is training the Seventy Sixers. Todd trains this, his athletes how to move to to oh, move in the I sport of basketball. Talk about his work with uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, he's the one. He he was he he had te- Kevin Durant in college, but now he's with the 76ers. Yeah, did he talk about Kevin Durant's crappy uh, bench press? A little bit. No, we didn't really go into specifics about it. Oh yeah, so he just talked Kevin about Durant, generalities. Kevin Durant could only do like three three uh, reps of like two twenty five. And and uh, the the media kind of like gave gave Todd Wright a little bit of a stick for it. They were like, so like you know Kevin Durant, he can only do three three uh, reps of like twenty two two twenty five. Like, you know, do you think you you've represented him well as a as his strength coach? And and Todd Wright laughed and he goes, I'm surprised he even got three. <laughs> like, basically, he was just like he was like, we don't do that. Like you know, like it's not. I, I, he's he had decided that it wasn't an exercise that needed to get done. And that's and so fu- sorry. Uh, like bench press, you know, I don't remember ever waking up in the morning with my back back on against a, a in the mattress, you know, with it with a bar strapped across my chest that I had to try and push off to be able to start my day. Well, there were a few times in my single days, Jamie, where I woke up and I needed a bench press to get out from where I was. But that's <laughs> that's a whole other conversation that just at least I delved into the realm of being inappropriate. But um, yeah, again, that was my previous life as a rugby athlete. Now, as we wrap up, and I'm going to respect your time, and, and for listeners, you know, I just wanted to have a quick conversation with one of my favorite people in fitness. What does love your body mean? I mean, that's just something, it's on your website, and you've posted many things, Jamie, over the years, and your attitude is, how would you sum up? Why would somebody come train to you, and what do you mean when I look at your website and, and your approach is love your body? Well, it's, to me, it's, um, you know, when, when you say love your body, what, I, what I'm trying to get people to do is to not necessarily think about where they are, also not necessarily think about where they want to be, but to understand that you know we all, we're all driven by these 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 visions of being like someone else, you know, and I think that so it's it's it, there's a few different dimensions that I, I I try to embrace. Love your body. One is to know that you know you can think about where you want your body to be, but the truth is that you need to embrace where your body is at right now. In other words, there's progress that you want to make. But it, it's, it's really sad, you know, when we don't celebrate the tiny victories that we have. And so I think, you know, love your body and the amazing things it can do. Because I think that, uh, that, that you know, sort of when we, if we sort of go, well, I've lost two pounds, that's great, but I've got to lose 40. And I'm like, dude, you, just lost, you lost two pounds, that's great. If we can do it two pounds at a time, then, and keep celebrating and keep being positive about us to, towards ourselves and being kind to ourselves, you know, while being while still being focused and disciplined, and that's fantastic. 
uh, and then of course there's the love your body is that you know is that you're not anyone else you know you're not going to end up looking like uh, if you're a if you're of Samoan descent you know that you wanting to look like someone who's in a, a you know a Norwegian stick figure body is is probably not going to be a realistic goal so so rather than try to be someone else's body try to be your body and be the best version of your body but I think the the way that I really mean it Pete is uh is I want people to I want people to really just be amazed at how our lives are out of control and there's so many things that we can't we can't control and and you know, we, we can think about things like our relationships or we can think about things like other people that we wish would treat us differently but when you focus on your body your body is one of the few things at least in our society that you can control and you can control what you put in it you control what you do with it and you have this brain in your head that that then can, that can control how you react to what happens around you. In other words, someone might come and yell at you, and you get to choose how you react to that. And so I say love your body because if you can love your body and really focus on that being the center of your focus and the center of your and the center of your world, then you can focus on the things you can do with it. And then all of a sudden you find yourself focusing on what you can control, not what you can't. And when we focus on, and in my experience, when you focus on what you can control, then you start to take control of your world and you feel less bewildered and frazzled and, and, uh, and frustrated by the things that happen around you because then, then you start to carry that over into other things in your world. You start to say, okay, okay, uh, you know, Janet in accounting ha hasn't done the paperwork. What can I control about this? Not, not just like, you know, go crazy and go complain to everyone else, but to go, what can I control? What can I do? Just like how, you know, my body isn't responding. Okay, what, what can I do differently with it? Okay, I, I, I want to lose weight. What can I do about that? You know, and when we focus on what we can control, and, and a lot of that, you know, a lot of the, the things we can control in our world, but a lot of things we can't. But one of the things that we will always be able to control is what we put in our body, what we do with our body, and how we process what happens to us. And, and to me, the fact that we have this body that can do that is an amazing thing. Well, and I think I think that sums up right there. And for listeners, I mean, when you look at and when you look at what you want to be able to do, I mean, one of the taglines of this podcast, Jamie, is fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And and that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why why you know I like you like your stuff is you focus on helping people feel better. Exercise, you know, you would agree with this, and then then I got to let you go. Exercise is the medium where we can definitely feel better, and I think that's the mistake a lot of listeners or a lot of people make is they put exercise in this category of have to look better. Well, yeah. if you do that, I think you're always going to be disappointed because I think we can always think we can look a little bit better. But in my experience, if if we challenge people to perform better, feel better, do your favorite activities better, then I think we take away that stigma. And what I've found is form follows function. So if we can help you move better, we help you look better. Has that been your experience? Do you see that switch that as soon as people can start doing something that they had told themselves previously they couldn't? Do you see that switch turn on and how powerful is that? Oh, yeah. I think, I mean, it's, I think you are dead right. And there's nothing more, more exciting to me than when I have a client come in who says, I used to play tennis and now I can't play tennis. And now my life is is crap, and I hate myself, and like you know, and I'm so frustrated, and I don't have anywhere to take stress, whether it be hiking or running or, or playing a sport or whatever it is. But basically, it's one of those things where 
where um, when what we find is that you know our bodies aren't doing the things that they used to be able to do. We remember what it felt like to be an athlete, and all of a sudden we're not, and we can't stand it. And so for those people, you know, I, I love helping those people get back to being an athlete again and feeling like they are athletes because I see them not just, you know, like lose weight and get better, but all of a sudden the mental piece to them, they feel like they can do this thing again. And, and I, I love that. I mean, for me, I still play basketball now. I hope I'll be able to play basketball forever, but I always want to have something I can do with my body, you know, as, for as long as I can. And, yeah, and, and if, uh, if you're six six losing learning jujitsu, I'm gonna stay the heck out of your way because that's a lot of force <laughs> coming at you. Hey Jamie, how can people follow you? I know you don't really you're not promoting anything, but I just wanted to have a conversation with you because I think you have one of the best attitudes towards fitness. And if we can get people to start thinking about what they can do and about loving their body, then I think just like we talked about with your mother earlier, you are gonna have that impact. You're gonna impact your clients, they're gonna impact other people. How can yeah. you keep spreading impact? How do you, how can people follow you and, and, and catch your impact? Right now, I've been putting most of my focus into my into my Instagram. So if people are on Instagram, they can follow me at Jamie Atlas Fitness. So that's J A M I E A T L A S Fitness. And I posted probably with like eight or nine videos now of people where they've come in and in the same day, they've come in and and, I, and I, I'm getting a little bit too brash nowadays because I am literally saying to the person in the before video, I'm saying, "You don't think I can help you, do you?" And they're like, "Nope." And they're like, I've seen everyone. It's been four years. I haven't been free of pain. And then, and then I love it, you know, when like after 40 minutes of working with them, I show the after video and I'm like, so uh, how do you feel now? <laughs> so, so if you want to see nine videos of me being, being a conceited bastard, then feel free to tune in. <laughs> mate, you you no, know your stuff and you're doing it well. No, mate, you, you know your stuff and you're doing it well. I think that's awesome. The one thing before we go, the one thing I want to get you on the hook for is I'm doing those booty videos with Abby Apple. I need you to I need you, I need you to come along for the ride, mate. The next time I throw an Apple booty video up, and for people that, that have been following, I've been doing uh, on my Instagram. My friend Abby is a bar instructor and posts a lot of booty videos, and I've made fun of them one or two times. So, mate, I want you on the hook. You promise you're going to do a similar one the next time I throw one up. I will commit. This is like the ice bucket challenge, but it's going to be more painful to try to watch me do the booty video. Yeah, no, I am. Uh, I've done a million booty videos for uh, clients, so uh, uh, I've sometimes referred to myself uh, jokingly as the booty doctor, as in uh, it is my duty to 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 build that booty. So yes, I'm more than happy to build a build a video. I just want you to promise me you won't cry when you realize how much amazingly better my booty exercise is than yours. Right? Mate, the only thing it'll do is make me go back and work harder. Hey, thanks for your time, Jamie. I really appreciate it. Enjoy your client, and we'll catch you up soon, brother. Take care. Unfortunately, I got Jamie in a tight window, a tight time window. He was between clients, so he had to go and catch up with a client that had just come into his studio for a little bit of work. I'm going to have Jamie back on because, as you can tell, I really like having a conversation with him. He's one of these guys. We've been on a couple of projects together, and just every time we work with each other, we have a good time. Part of that, I think that's just his good nature attitude of being Aussie, and the other part, he's just a good fella. And But the reason why I had him on, you know, the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with Jamie, as I mentioned, is we have that same mindset. I think a lot of times, I wanted you to hear it from somebody else. I have a lot of people on this podcast because I want you to realize that exercise isn't something that we should use to beat ourselves up. It's not something we just use to punish ourselves. There's been a lot of talk on this in the last year or so. 
You know, we've been trying to reshift because how many times have you done something like on a Friday or Saturday night? Maybe you had an extra drink or maybe you had a little bit too much to eat at, at a party or something like that. And that doesn't matter. You know, life, life is life. It's meant to be enjoyed. But how many times have you maybe overdone it? And then you go to the gym the next day. I need to punish myself. I need to make up for this. That's not a healthy mindset. You know, if we, if we use exercise as punishment, think about a kid's sports. You know, one of the things I really don't like hearing is, is a coach saying, all right, guys. Yo, you, you didn't work hard enough. We're going to make you run. Exercise is not a negative thing. Exercise should not be used as punishment. Exercise can enhance your quality of life. Whatever you want to do in life, hiking, swimming, fishing, whatever, well, maybe not fishing, but hiking, swimming, fit, you know, surfing, whatever you want to do, exercise can make it better. Just like Jamie talked about his mom, you know, turning around and, and being able to take control of, of her own health through exercise and, and the positive waves that spreads out, you can use exercise to take control of your life. Look at what exercise gives you the ability to do. Exercise can give you the ability to play with your kids. Exercise can give you the ability to do chores without back pain. Now, I'm sorry about that, but hey, you got to do the chores. Either pay somebody to do them or get in shape to be able to do them yourself. Exercise can give you the ability to go on that vacation and have a blast. You know, that really is... We need you. What I want you to do is shift your focus. And look at what exercise gives you. Look at the opportunity you have with exercise. Because really, exercise can enhance your overall quality of life. Instead, a lot of times, we say, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't work out that hard. Don't think about what you can't do. Think about what you can do. Again, when you go to the gym, I want you to think about what you can do. Can you walk on the treadmill for five minutes? Great, start there. If you don't have a gym membership, can you walk around the block? Great, start there. Can you walk up and down the stairs? Start there. Start what you can do. Focus on what you can do. If you do that, if you look at using exercise to make your life better, if you look at exercise, you look at fitness to enhance your overall quality of life and focus on what you can do. Don't worry about what you can't do. We can't control what we can't do. But what we can control are those things that we directly have impact on. So when you look at exercise, love your body. Take Jamie's message. Love your body. Look at what you can do. Think about having the ability to do all the things you want to be able to do. That's the true gift of exercise. Yeah, you can maybe look a little bit better, lose a couple pounds. That's all. That's a side benefit though. Focus on those activities you enjoy. Focus on what you want to be able to enjoy and exercise for that. And I guarantee you, your life will change significantly. Anyway, that's the, that's the theme of my book. I didn't really want to go there, but Jamie was talking about exactly what Smarter Workouts is all about. Smarter Workouts, the science of exercise made simple, is how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. I go through a number of different types of exercise that you can be doing, number of pieces of equipment for home or in the gym. Anyway, I'm going to have a link below in the show notes. If you're interested in learning more about fitness and how to set up your own programs, it's a great resource. That's exactly why I wrote it to give you more information about how to use exercise to enhance your overall quality of life. Thanks for tuning in this episode of All About Fitness. I do apologize. I've been working on a couple other things. I haven't been posting regular episodes up. I'm getting back on a regular schedule. I have a few great interviews lined up. I'm working on a killer feature story. That one's taking me a little bit longer than, than I'd like to admit, but it's going to be a great in-depth look at, at, how, at how technology is hacking fitness. You can follow me on Instagram, Pete McCall. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness. 
Instagram is Pete McCall underscore fitness. And you can see my booty vet, <laughs> my booty battles with Abby. That's Abby Apple. That's at, uh, at Abby Apple on Instagram. Abby's another uh, educator and we have like these little booty battles go back and forth. So Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram, my little booty battle on Instagram with Abby Apple. That's Abby, A-P-P-E-L, Abby Apple fitness on, on Instagram or sorry, Abby Apple on Instagram. You can check me out on Twitter, Pete MC underscore fitness. I do a lot of blogging for 24-hour fitness and American Council and exercise. And I usually send my stuff out via Twitter, Pete MC underscore fitness. Thanks for stopping by and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.